Drinking in one. Look, it's me again. Hello, welcome everybody to JPS Football, our division preview. We are now in the AFC East. Richie Rich, let's talk about the East. We'll start at the bottom, where they always are. You know who I'm talking about. It's the East Rutherford Jets. Yeah, the Tenants. Like Zach Wilson, I love that pickup. I think he has a bright future. Jameson Crowder might be on the way out. He was their main slot man, unfortunately, recovering from COVID. But Elijah McGuire, even prior to Crowder's COVID album contraction, has been uh, rumored to be getting more love in that offense. And they also spent a decent amount of money on Corey Davis, formerly of the Tennessee Titans. Um, Offensively, I feel like the Jets are gradually getting an identity. Any team that was previously led by Adam Gase just isn't going to have that. I do like what they've done on that side of the ball so far. Um, I think they're going to be more respectable. They're going to be playing in more games. And I actually think that for people that have the audacity to root for these shitbags, that they are going to be a little better than they have been and give people a little more reason for having more positivity. I'm going to say the Jets go 5-12, and 12, but will be very competitive this year. And I do think that they're going to be headed in the right direction under new head coach Robert Sala. I think they're going where they need to be in time. But yeah. Wilson's going to be a damn good quarterback. I think he's a good coach. I always like to see DC's getting a chance at head coach too. Interesting um, fact on uh, this gentleman, uh, first Muslim head coach in NFL history. Which is nice to see. You yeah. always have the talk about um, – you know, representation in the coaching ranks. It's important. And it's not so just many black, people white. Love, love this game. Right. So it, it's good to see it cutting across just the black-white measurement that they like to use. Like, or the game is for everybody. Absolutely. Um, so it's good to see. Unfortunately, the Jets won't be that good to see. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins, who are another, let's call them a bubble team, because they had some yes. potential for sure. But now we're getting to the point where people want Tua to come good, this whole project to come good, and it seemed like it was picking up steam, and yet I'm not hearing the hype. I I talked about Herbert, about not having the sophomore slump. I talked about Murray. He's not a sophomore now, but he's still young. I talked about him having the erratic up and down. Mm-hmm. I think Tua's having the sophomore slump. Um I love the Jalen Waddle pickup because in that kind of offense, I think it serves really well for his position and what he brings to the table, not to mention the previous history of the two together. I like that. Devontae Parker, for now, is still safe as the number one receiver. Mike Gusecki, one of the up-and-coming tight ends in the NFL. That That's predominantly what they do on offense. Miles Gaskin, I don't think he's going to get pushed where he loses his job. Other side of the football... Um, I love their defense all in all. I mean, they play at a very high level. Xavier Howard, the best player on that unit. I love their coach. I love Brian Flores from the Belichick coaching tree. The Belichick coaching tree didn't have the greatest success of underlings, but guys like Flores and Joe Judge are starting to change that narrative. It's still early in the game for these guys. But um, unfortunately for them, I don't think Tua makes the necessary steps that he needs to make that offense totally flow. And I think 
ultimately you're looking at a defense that's going to get tired in certain games and they're going to get worn out. Um, if this was a 16-game slate, I'd have them at 500. It's a 17-game slate. I have them just under 500. I have the Dolphins going 8-9. and nine. Very competitive football team. They might have a couple of wins where you're like, oh, wow, look who they beat. But there are going to be some losses in there where you're going to be like, oh, man, look who they lost to. I think they're going to be very up and down but consistently competitive. I got them going 8-9. and nine. So I want to stop for a second and talk about that, that Waddle pick. Um, because we had a little bit of a debate before you guys were very much against that pick and I was more in favor. Mm-hmm. And I want to just say, like, it'll be interesting to see because I think people have a difficult time gauging how important it can be to keep players that are familiar with one another, particularly at the quarterback and wideout position. And you nailed both of those. We talked about the AFC North with Chase and Burrow. And I think Waddle coming in as a rookie will have a much bigger impact with the established chemistry already built between him and two. Of course, he played with another quarterback in between, who we'll get to in a minute. Um, but you can't replace years of experience overnight, especially especially in the modern game where you have read routes all the time. Familiarity is very important with that. These receivers are not running just a basic route tree. They're reading a defense and making an assessment of what to do. And the quarterback has to be on the same page with that read. That requires chemistry. And I think you're going to see two a make some strides because of that. Will it be enough? That is the question mark with this team, and you got to wonder how much patience they're going to have because we saw this offseason. There was talk about moving Tua for a more established star like a Deshaun Watson. So it'll be interesting to see if that heats up or not. I think that the only thing, reason why it didn't happen yet is because of Watson's uncertain future with the accusations and, and, and the stuff going with the court and stuff. As far as... To his future, yeah, that's essentially what it is. I don't think there's anything he's going to do or not going to do bad or good that changes that. If Houston and Miami see themselves as the best trade partners, I still think that's going to happen. It's amazing because very much like Jacksonville, Miami spent, what, two years tanking for one specific player because of their freshman output. So they were really sold on this kid. It would be a little bit of a tragedy to see them give up so quickly. But it's not unheard of in this league. Um, a lot of people were skeptical, ourselves included, on this when they benched Fitzpatrick, who was playing well. Now, Tua, on certain Sundays, proved us wrong, and on certain Sundays, proved us right. It's still a learning of the game and an inconsistency that he brings. That only comes with more repetition and more game time. And, you know, the funny thing is we could be, we could, might be eating our words if Tua turns out to have taken a leap in progression um, because of last season's experience it'll be yeah they'll point to that and say this is why we pulled fitzpatrick we weren't going to yeah. win a super bowl with fitzpatrick let's get our guy groomed and ready for next the season the only difference is they probably would have made the playoffs with fitz yes, I, that much cares? i'll say but you know it's still a short-term goal uh a, a short outlook goal is what i should say so the bigger picture you go with the younger guy playoffs i get it would be big but it's not enough for miami's ownership group you saw that with when they uh, had the ryan Tannehill divorce yes because yes. injury or not um, he, he led them there, and it wasn't mm-hmm. enough for them. So Tua getting to the playoffs, Fitzpatrick to the playoffs, wouldn't have mattered last season. This season, you got to think that they better be in the hunt or they're going to have to rethink this whole Yeah, rebuild. they got to reevaluate it, and it's going to be a little easier to reevaluate when you see a team dangling Deshaun Watson, and I think the ultimate holdup with a trade there past the legal stuff will be how much is too much to acquire that player. 
Yeah. But who knows? He might reset the market on trades. And so with rebuilds and quarterbacks, you got to talk about the other team in the East. That's the New England Patriots. And a lot of people may be sleeping on them. Some people actually giving them their due credit and one of the best coaches of all time getting a little bit of belief. They splashed a lot of money this offseason. Yeah, they kind of went against the grain of what they normally do. They're always known for building within the draft. Well, Mac Jones will start at the draft. He he is going to replace Cam Newton. The experiment after one year did not go well. They released him after the preseason game against the Giants. Mac Jones looked like he has picked up the offense rather well and definitely shows an intelligence and an understanding for the game at a young age at the pro level. And I think the fact that they are a run-first team is actually going to be friendly for Mac Jones' skill set and kind of gradually let the game come to him. To your point about the money spent, they brought in some good names. They got Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, a two-headed tight end. Great for a young quarterback to have. Absolutely. You need those security blankets for sure. Nelson Aguilar coming off of a very good year with the Las Vegas Raiders is now deemed New England's either 1A or 1B opposite of Jacoby Myers. It seems like Myers off the jump has a little more chemistry with Jones, so I would say that he has the lead on who's going to get the most catches off the jump. Um, In the backfield, drafting New England running backs has always been something I wouldn't recommend. But it does look like Damian Harris has the lead as to actually be their real choice at running back. Now you flip it on the other side. They picked up Matthew Judon from the Baltimore Ravens. Very good uh, linebacker. Stephon Gilmore, who's one of the better corners in the league, is going to be missing about the first four to six weeks of the season. But depth-wise and the way they are coached, I like them to make a nice push because last year with very inept quarterback play, The Patriots still managed to win seven games, and that was with terrible quarterback play. I don't think you're going to see that fall off with the quarterback play this year. But some of those wins came with Cam Heroics, particularly at the beginning of the year. He faded immensely, especially post-COVID, right? Exactly. It seemed like when he contracted COVID, everything went down the toilet, unfortunately, because you don't wish it on anybody. And, you know, you're talking about a former league MVP, a guy who has done some amazing things in his career, but it seems like it's all kind of snowballed to where he's either done or a career backup at this point. But football's funny. Sometimes you never know. I mean, Kurt Warner, everybody thought he was done. Mm-hmm. Then he had a couple of years of sitting on benches. Shout out, I think it was Brandon. So, someone commented said he'll be great in arena. Um, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. He, Brandon Jolly did say that. Shout out him, <laughs> fellow New York Giants fan. Um, I got the Pats going 11-6, and six, which I actually believe is on par with Sports Illustrated's uh, prediction of them. I got them being one of the three wild cards, and if my math is right, that would make them the number one of the three wild cards. I think highly of this unit this year. They got to get past missing Gilmore for the first four to six games, whatever have you, midway point, but I think they're going to be uh, a pretty good team. And it's hard not to look ahead. But the biggest game of their season, or at least the defining moment of a young team or a new look team, is going to be when Tom Brady comes back to Gillette, which will be week four. For the listeners out there, uh, we're going to be getting out to you a great interview that we conducted with our boy, Brett Bandick, who's a visitor of the show, sometimes an extra host on the show. And Patriots super fan. Patriots super fan. And uh, we're going to be getting that out to you closer to week four, but definitely look out for that in that fan base series, which as we already alluded to, follows 
our first episode, which covered the Green Bay Packers and John Olson, their super fan, along with Aaron Rodgers' roundtable. You know all the platforms we are on. Don't want to sound like a broken record. But getting back to the Patriots, I really like them to go 11-6 and six this year. I don't necessarily think they're challenging Buffalo for the division title, but if there is a third matchup in the playoffs, that could be one of those upsets that goes down. Maybe so. I, I honestly think um, more so than the uh, the Brady reunion revenge game, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be their games against Miami. Miami and Buffalo just are going to be very I mean, big games. Buffalo, of course, but I, I can see them losing to Buffalo and being okay, even if they get swept. Mm-hmm. But Miami, that might decide the wild card. And they don't have the best history playing in Miami in recent years. And vice versa, though. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Foxborough's tough for everyone, but Miami, I mean, they, they struggle. So, but let's talk about um, the presumptive leaders of the East, uh, the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people buying hard on them. What, what do you think? It, are you as high on them as everybody else, or are you a little more... Hey, I, see. I say they're elite. I picked the Cleveland Browns to play the Chiefs in the title game, but I will go as far as saying if it's not the Cleveland Browns, it could be the Bills. Part of the reason why I didn't pick the Bills is because of the team we just talked about. I have a funny feeling that if New England and Buffalo play in a third meeting, especially if Buffalo sweeps them, very hard to beat a team three times. And I think that might be Buffalo's fate if they play New England for a third time. New England in the past few years while they have been regressing up until now where it looks like they're back on the uptick, Buffalo has gotten the better of them. I think this is going to be very good moving forward for that division while during the Brady years was deemed one of the worst divisions in football forever. Brady leaves, all of a sudden it's ultra competitive again. Um, I like Josh Allen as a league MVP candidate. Stephon Diggs, is definitely a top three, top four wide receiver. Cole Beasley, uh, if he uh, is he playing? Not like I've my understanding, he's he's playing uh, one of the better slot men in the league uh, for a long time. Just don't sneeze on him. And uh, where wh- there's a weakness, I see with Buffalo two weaknesses. I think that they're prone to giving up the big play. Mm-hmm. On defense, even though they do have an aggressive defense that can make some plays, particularly the front seven. Well, that's usually the trade-off, right? Yeah, it is the trade-off. You know. And I and I do believe that where they could get hurt in the playoffs, everything's magnified in the playoffs. And if Josh Allen is having a rough time throwing the football, I am not completely convinced that the combination of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss can contribute the way they need to in the playoffs on the ground in order to balance that offense out. Josh Allen does a lot by himself. He actually has led the team in rushing touchdowns the last two years. So inside the goal line, he's actually their main option. He's a big boy. He's kind of like a more athletic, younger version of Big Ben, kind of like the frame that he has. Um, Hell of a team. It wouldn't blow my mind if they're in the title game, but I'm going to pick them to go 12-5, and a game better than the Patriots in that division, and I'm going to pick them to be the two-seed going in, but I do believe that Cleveland is going to the title game, which would make Cleveland my three, if I'm not mistaken. How do you feel about the Bills O-line? Not great, but not bad. I That's... mean, when I think about other teams, I, on my team, 
I wouldn't mind having the Bills line. They're better than my team. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not most saying of the league, much. Though. So, yeah. you know, my concern with the Bills is a okay, maybe above average O line with limited depth. And Josh Allen has covered that up a lot. And it only takes a couple bad plays to expose that. And like you said, if he's having a rough time throwing the ball around, that run game is not going to be well established with an O line that's. That is part of my worry with them. And the other worry is in the event if he gets injured, um, I'm sure the one person who will believe no matter what is our man Brett, being that Mitch Trubisky happens to be the backup for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I would say consider, too, they're they're one of their big... That uh, that jock-me-off guy, he he left us a few voicemails. I don't know if him and Brett are the same person. I've speculated. We'll never know. But Brett's a Pats... This is so weird. This is all very weird because Brett's a Pats fan, but he's a Trubisky fan, and Trubisky's with the Bills. He's a confused child. Um, anyway, Bretsky, Patriots, um, Richie's big on your team. It sounds like he's got a, a dark horse wild card berth for them and maybe more the Bills. I think we're reluctantly optimistic about, and the East should be pretty interesting. You got a lot of question marks between even the top team, the Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins. I see some wiggle room. The Bills are held at this elite status, but I'm not necessarily sold that they're head and shoulders above those other two teams. But Bills fans, don't worry. If you guys make the Super Bowl, what can go wrong? Until next time, my friends, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, whatever socials you may like, and give a listen to the rest of our division previews. Thanks for listening.